City Church. Will you help me welcome to the stage Dr. Joel Hunter. Thanks, Joe. Oh, thank you. Wow. Bless you. Please have a seat. Becky and I are so honored to, to be with you. I tell you, we love this church. Pastor Eugene and Pastor Laura are very dear friends of ours, and uh, we've, we've loved them for a long time. Um, and I, I tell you, I was so shocked to see Pastor Eugene show up this morning. I'm a little intimidated, brother, that you're... Now I've got to be careful what I say because the pastor's here. But, uh, uh, and we have believed in this church since it was planted, and God has done such magnificent things through this congregation. And he's not done with you yet. The best is yet to come. Let me tell you, I not only love the church, I love this series, Living the Lord's Prayer. You know, prayer is meant to be lived, not just to be tossed up and, and as a request to God. It's meant to be followed up as a change in our lives. And so the prayer, the, the prayer that Jesus taught us, think of what a change that must be uh, for our lives. So my section is, um, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now let me tell you a little something about this. The word uh, debts here um, is um, um, ophelima, and it means something has been taken from you. Something has been stolen, in other words. When somebody sins against you, something steals, somebody steals something from you. Something is taken from you that shouldn't have been taken. When I was growing up, it was, it was uh, um, I grew up a Methodist, so we prayed, uh, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And it's just like it says, it's, it's like you're, you cross somebody's boundary here. You're in an area you really shouldn't be. And so that needs to be addressed. And let me tell you why this is so urgent for us. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you all the way across, but I'm going to tell you just from a theological natural standpoint, we are made in the image of God. And we worship a God of justice. And so therefore, when the Bible says, for example, in Genesis chapter 1, verse uh, um, um, 26 and 27, then God, Elohim is the word here, uh, plural word used in the singular sense, the Trinity. Let us make man in our image and our likeness. So God created um, mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. There is innately in us a sense of justice because we're made in God's image, and God is a God of justice. Um, and, 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 and when you boil it down to the simplest possible directive on how to walk with God, what we're supposed to live like, look at Micah 6.8. It says simply, he has shown you, O mortal, easy enough for me to say, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act, look at this word, justly, and to love mercy. These two are not disconnected, by the way. I'm going to show you in a minute. And to walk humbly with your God. Why do you think it is that when you're growing up, the three most often heard words are, that's not fair. That's not, they're kids. When you look at portions, and they seem to go, that's not fair. When they look at it's privilege, somebody gets to do something and somebody else didn't, that's not fair. When somebody has something and somebody else doesn't, that's not fair. Over and over again, innately, 
there's this loose scale of justice in us. And so it's, it's understandable, it's normal to say, that, that's, not, that's not right. And, and, and the thing that makes this hit home is you expect to be treated unfairly by the world or by people who don't have a moral standard like yours. But the Bible is replete with incident after incident where believers treat each other unjustly. Treat each other. You Remember Esau? Jacob and his mother, who was also the mother of Esau, plotted against Esau to steal his birthright. That's not fair. You know, but yet somehow God used it. Joseph. Now, you got to admit, Joseph said some really dumb things. I mean, he didn't really, he kind of walked into this one. But when he kind of grew up, you know, and, 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 and his daddy loved him and bought him a coat, I got a coat, and you don't. You know, it's just not not good to wear that around, you know. Or, or, or I had a dream about, you know, the sheaves, and your sheaves will bind down to me as a sheaf, and just not smart. But when his brothers sold him into slavery, well, that's not fair. And when he went into Egypt and he worked hard, and then he was thrown into prison, with false accusation. Well, that's not fair. And then, and then his whole life was, was treated as a challenge of injustice. But watch this. He realized something. He said, God meant it for, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. The circumstances mean it for evil, but God means it for good. Go to Jesus. This is the greatest act of injustice history could ever have, that Jesus would go to the cross when he had not sinned. The greatest act of injustice turned into the greatest good, because God is not defeated by injustice. God replaces injustice with something better than if it had never happened. And so therefore, I want to talk to you about the freedom that we're going to have this morning because you have acted and listened to this message. The fact is that when the Bible talks about unforgiveness, that we think, when we're, when we're going through kind of, a, kind of a state of somebody violates us, all of us have had this. Somebody has done something to us that we did not deserve, taken something from us that we did not um, uh, deserve and they did not deserve and so on and so forth. It is totally normal to say that's not fair. And for a minute, just to kind of withhold forgiveness because, you know, I, that's, that's, that's normal. But let me warn you about what's, what's, what's about to come. You know, I'm, I'm the, kind of the city organizer of the faith community on this opioid response, the opioid crisis response. If you're 50 years old or younger in this nation, the, the leading cause of death is overdose, opioid overdose. Outstrips homicides, outstrips automobile accidents, outstrips, I mean everything for this generation. Now let me tell you how this gets started. It gets started from a legitimate and needed prescription 
from your family doctor to deal with short-term pain. Yet whether, whether it's Oxycontin or any other pill, he, 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 he or she can prescribe to you a limited number of those. That is legitimate to take those drugs. But watch this. If you take them beyond the point where they are absolutely needed, you will become addicted. And, 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 and the same thing is true from, uh, for unforgiveness. Right away, you go, oh, man, that makes me so mad. And that, you know, that, it, it. But if you indulge yourself, what you do is you, you fall into the devil's snare. Now, the devil, everybody knows, is subtle and crafty. The devil wants to keep you in bondage. So what does he do? He gives you a situation where you look like you're the righteous one and someone else has done something bad so that you can legitimately blame them. But as you continue to blame them, what happens? You become addicted to that blame. You become a prisoner of your own blame. Watch this. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, it says this. For the accuser, that's Satan. That's the, the word Satan means accuser. The accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuse them, accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. You know when Satan lives in your head, you know what you're always doing? You're blaming somebody. You're accusing somebody. You're suspicious of somebody. And so therefore, in, even when it's legitimate, two things happen. First, you become a permanent victim. Because every time you relive that in your brain, you're victimized all over again. And there's nothing that Satan loves more than to make you a victim and to have you make yourself a victim. And there's nothing that God loves less than the one to whom he wants to give power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Just sidestep the power to indulge in victimhood. And so the whole question is, what's going to happen when you become preoccupied with these thoughts of unforgiveness, with this hurt that you've experienced? And that's an ongoing situation. What happens when you're in permanent stress? What happens? This is the second thing. When you are indulging that, focused on that, you're blind to the goodness and the potential around you. You don't notice that because you're focused on the negative. And so, therefore, you can't see the positive. What do you got to do? You got to lay it down. You got to forgive. You know, I heard a story once about these monks that, that uh, um, you know, were sworn to chastity, and so, therefore, they never would touch a woman. Um, but they were walking, a, two of them were walking down a path one time, and this little old lady was trying to get this across this stream, and she was very frail, and, and, and it was, it was, the current was swift. And so they kind of looked at each other and said, you know, maybe it might be a better charity to get her where she needs to go that would kind of offset our vow of chastity because, you know. And so they picked her up, and they took her across. Five miles as they continued their journey, one monk turns to the other and said, you know, I, I just don't feel good. 
by what we just did. I'm, I don't know if we broke our vow or not. I don't know if we should have done that. And the other monk turned to him and said, I put her down five miles back. You're still carrying her. You understand, you, just, you need to put it down. You may have mixed feelings, but you just need to leave it behind because it's behind. It's gone. That's the past. You need to leave it behind. I told you, I think once here, there's, there's two. When you're water skiing, there's two cardinal rules. This, this, first is you keep your knees bent because you need to be flexible. When you're living life, you need to be flexible. The second one is when you fall, let go of the rope. See, see, if you don't let go of the rope, it will drag you all around. Forgiveness, unforgiveness is the same thing. If you don't let go, if you don't forgive, then it will drag you around for as long as you hold on to it. The, the, the scripture is super clear about this, that if you continue accusing, especially the brethren, but anybody, if you accuse them night and day and you're preoccupied with how you've been hurt and how wrong they were, that may make you feel momentarily better about yourself, but you will be holding yourself prisoner. And here's the question. How long are you going to let that person run your life? Because every time you think of them, they're running your life. How long are you going to let that incident ruin your life because every time you entertain those thoughts they ruin your life again here's the key we not only need to let go we need to if we're going to you notice this prayer this prayer is to bring the kingdom into the world it's an active prayer thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven and so therefore we, it is not good enough just not to do the bad thing or the, or, the, or the thing that's harmful to us. It's not good enough until we've replaced it with something good. You remember that passage in Scripture where they cast the demons out of the house, but the house remains empty? If, the, if there's nothing better to replace, the demons come back and it's worse than it was before. Unforgiveness is not good enough. The Bible says we have to replace it with something good. It says in Romans chapter 12, look at this, verse 17, do not repay evil, anyone, evil for evil. Evil when you entertain those thoughts in your mind, that's what you're trying to do. Lord, I wish somebody just catch them. Just, I, just, I just catch them so they, don't, so they don't hurt anybody else. Lord, I hope, I hope they somehow get hurt for, for what they've done to me. See, in your mind, you're repaying evil for evil said, don't, don't do that, because it just takes you down. It ta you know the, word, the, the Greek word for evil is paneros, and it means, it means um, narrow. It builds you a narrow life. You know, the, in, in, in Matthew 6, uh, Jesus said, <clears throat> um, when, the, when the eye is evil, this is King James Version, when the eye is bad, the whole body is filled with darkness. See, Satan wants to fill your life with darkness by, by, because Panaris means narrow. Did you ever give somebody the evil eye? That's the evil eye. You narrow your eyes, see? And that's what happens to your life. When you don't forgive, it becomes constricted. And, and Satan loves that. And so it says, 
Don't take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath because it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. Do you think you can work better justice than God? You can't. I mean, he's got, he's sovereign, okay? Do you think you can make this person regret what they've done better than God can? This person doesn't even care about what you think. But there's circumstances. You see, this is what God says. I got this. I got this. You're going to be glad you turned this over to me. Because you, you, can't, you can't give them what they need. I can give them what they need. And I can, I can not only turn it into punishment, I can turn it into redemption. And so, and so this is, but that's, and, but, but look at, look at number 21. Watch the number It says, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Here's the question. Not just will I forgive, but what good can come because I have forgiven? That's how the kingdom comes. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. We're to make this earth more like heaven. We're to redeem bad situations, not just forget about them. And so therefore, when I was in, when I was in grade school, there was this bully. And I mean, you talk about a bully. This kid, this is back in the day, you know. Um, this kid had been left back so many times. I, he had to be, uh, you know, he had to be 45 years old. I mean, <laughs> he just, he was the, oh, he had a beard. He had, I mean, he was just, and he was in sixth grade for crying out loud. And he had been in and out of reform school um, uh, several times. And he, he came to elementary school. You could do this back then with cigarettes rolled up in his T-shirt sleeve. You know, a pack of cigarettes. Well, he was just, and he, and bullies had to find a victim. I was his victim. You know, he was coming after me. Now, I, I can hold my own, and so I, I tried to fight him off and tried to, you know, but he was so much stronger and so much, and, and so I went home about the third day, and I told my mom, I said, man, there's a, there's a bully at school. His name was Roger Hicks. I'll never forget it as long as I live. And it, it was Roger Hicks. And, and my mom, my mom looked at me and said, I know that family. Let me tell you how that kid grew up. She told me things about his life that would, have made, that would have made me mad for the rest of my life if I was him. I understood how he had been hurt and abused himself. Something inside me turned around. I grew a sense of empathy that I never would have had had I not been victimized myself. When, when our kids were growing up, Becky would say, they'd come home and, and, and they'd be all hurt and, 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 and their mom would always say, do you know how this feels? Remember how this, I want you to remember how this feels. And I don't want you ever to make anybody ever feel like that. You see, good was coming out of evil. And so therefore, when it says overcome evil with good, what it's talking about is, is focusing on how you can counteract what has just happened to you. Let me tell you something else that's really important. It's not only your eye that narrows, it's your whole life that narrows when you don't forgive. Because if you don't forgive someone, you don't trust anyone. Let me say that again. If you won't forgive someone, you won't trust anyone. Because you don't want to ever get hurt like that again. 
And let me not let me tell you that. If you won't trust anyone, you don't, watch this, trust or like yourself. Because you see yourself as kind of the permanent outcast guy or gal that got hurt. When you forgive, don't forget to forgive yourself. Don't forget, for, for many of you, this is tougher than forgiving other people. Because you, you keep, in your own head, you become the accuser of yourself. Night and day, you tell yourself how wrong you were, how bad you are, how, how awful you are. That, you're just doing Satan's work for him. Stop that. What does the Bible say? That you're God's elect. Who will bring charge against God's elect? Don't go, I will. Don't do that. You, you, you have standards higher than God's. Really? You want to go there? When God says, if God before you, who can be against you? Don't say, I will. Don't do that. Don't do that. No, God's already, God's already forgiven you. And so therefore, don't counter, don't have to get yourself, we close ourselves off from our own lives. We, Satan loves nothing better than to get us to self-isolate. And if you think you're a terrible person, you're going to self-isolate. That's why I'm loving this small group thing. And it takes some courage to do this. But you've got to step up. And you've got to say, I'm going to get around some other believers because I am not going to self-isolate. And so there, I'm going to do what it needs to form relationships. What's it say in 1 John 1-9? Um, 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 it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You know what this word means? Righteousness is meeting the demands of a relationship. That's what it means biblically. And so therefore, unrighteousness cuts us off from relationships, even a relationship with ourselves. And so therefore, to be righteous, we have to build relationships, not only with others, but with ourselves, with what, who God made us to be. I, I heard a story about Cub Scouts one time, they had the, or Boy Scouts, um, and they were having a bird uh, house uh, building contest. And, uh, and little Freddie was, was pretty good with his hands. He was very witty, you know. And, um, and so he thought, man, I can build a better birdhouse than most other kids. And so he built one. It was really nice, you know. Um, but the con day of the contest came, and everybody lined up their birdhouses, and, and, uh, <clears throat> and Freddie's was there. But he had, he, had, he had made a major oversight. When the judges went down, they, they, they came to Freddie's birdhouse. I said, well, Freddie... <clears throat> This birdhouse is beautiful, but you forgot something very important. And Freddie said, what? And they said, you forgot to make a hole for the bird to go in. Freddie didn't miss a beat. He looked at him and said, I made it for a woodpecker. So he could peck his way in. Don't have to peck your way into your own life. Don't shut yourself off. You got to stay open. And that's what unforgiveness does. It keeps you open. Now, one more thing. Let me come home. Let me land this plane here. When the Bible says, <clears throat> forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, in the proportion, watch this, that we are committed to forgiving, 
that's the, that's the same proportion that we'll be able to get close to God. That we will be able to permit ourselves to get close to God. When Leonardo da Vinci was painting The Last Supper, there's a story that somebody had hurt him deeply at the beginning of that painting. And so when it came to painting the face of Judas, da Vinci painted the person who had hurt him as the face of Judas. Then when it progressed, it was time to paint the face of Jesus. And somehow da Vinci just couldn't picture who Jesus should be, what Jesus should look like. Day after day, week after week, he thought, who, what should Jesus look like? Who would that be? What would that face be? And he, he was blocked until it occurred to him what the answer was. He went back to the image of Judas, and he painted over that image, and he replaced the face of his enemy with a face that he had seen in the crowd. After he had done that, he went back and he could picture the face of Jesus. It won't be plain to you who Jesus is until you forgive your enemies. It won't be plain to you what he looks like until you forget or no, until you forgive what they've done. You never need to forget it, but you need to forgive it so that it won't, won't hold you back. And how do I do that? This is really simple. You're going you're to be, be startled at how simple this is. Repeatedly. That's the word. Repeatedly. In Matthew 18, this is what it says. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus said, no, not seven times. But 70 times seven. This is a Hebrew idiom, by the, time, by the way. Uh, and it means... However many it takes. There's no numerical limitation. However many it takes. When somebody sins against you, here's what's happened. In the spiritual realm, there is a debt. When you forgive them, it is declared paid in the spiritual realm. It's like buying a house. When you buy a house, when you sign that paper, Legally, that house is yours. But there are not many people who have the resources to pay cash for a house. No, what do we need to do? We make payments, mortgage payments, every month. And we keep making those payments until that house is really ours. When you forgive someone, you verbally say, I forgive this person, and name the incident, get specific. I forgive this person for this. Spiritually, that is attributed to you. It's done in the spiritual world. But emotionally, guess what's going to happen? It's going to come up again. And you're going to have to forgive them again. No, I've already established this. This is done. I forgive them again. No, I forgive them. No, I've forgiven them. No, I've forgiven them. And someday, that's going to be yours. That's going to be yours. And you won't have to forgive them anymore because it's yours. It's all yours. And one more thing. And then I'll quit. It's not just so that you can be free, but it's so that you can enjoy the life that you've been given. And you can bring heaven into your world. 
Do you know what it says in John 10, 10? Watch this. The thief, the accuser, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's what he wants to do with your life. But I have come so that they might have life and have it to the full. Let me, let me tell you something to do. Let me, let me tell you something to do. In this whole forgiveness process, don't stop until you're having some fun. I, I, one more story. When I was in college, um, our dorm director lived in a special apartment with his wife and his little girl, just cute little girl. And, uh, and he'd invite students down for philosophical discussions on world problems. And we'd go down and we'd argue and we'd yell and, you know, try to fix the world. And, and, uh, and, and his little girl came out one night, I'll never forget this, and she was just going from person to person tugging on their, their pant leg. Or, and, and, and she was saying, do you want to play? Do you want to play? She went over to this one guy and said, do you want to play? This guy said, did you hear this? Oh, this is the faith of a little child. She asked me if we wanted to pray. I think we should stop and pray. And so everybody got really quiet, you know. And, and, and you know, he prayed this big prayer, you know, and got all done. She's still there. She tugged on his pant leg again. She said, do you want to play? I got a ball. Do you want to play? Sometimes God's not asking you to pray. He's asking you to play. Because he wants you to have life abundantly. All right? All right. Let me pray and then we'll play. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for this word. Set us free so that we can bless the world. In Jesus' name, amen.